0: What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me here for this Tuesday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. This is a Sports Ethos presentation, and I'm your host, Joe Orrico. You can find me on Twitter at Joe Orrico 99 and also at EthosFantasyBB. Now, we are adding people into the free side of our Discord as well. That is our backup plan in case Twitter does crash or ceases to exist altogether. Our content would remain exactly the same. Discord would just go, essentially replace Twitter. I know it's not exactly the same thing. But links to podcasts, articles, different notes and threads that would just be put into Discord as opposed to Twitter. So send me a DM at Orico 99 We'll get you guys a join code. We'll send you the link. And then you can start interacting with our community members and different pros who are on the Discord pretty regularly throughout the day. So today we are going to do something a little bit different on the fantasy side. We are going to look specifically at ESPN and specifically at points leagues. I've neglected them a little bit throughout this offseason. My apologies there if you play a lot of ESPN leagues. I know a lot of people do. I play in some ESPN leagues. I'm not a huge fan of them. I think that there are some things within the site, within how the scoring works, that I'm not a huge fan of. We're going to talk about all that today. This will be kind of a general strategy video while also reviewing what worked and what didn't work in terms of players and draft picks this year a little bit. Not so much with draft picks, more so looking at overall results at the end of the season. And we're going to really look into the scoring because their scoring is a lot different than, say, the Yahoo Points League scoring. We're going to look at both of those uh, different systems and just see the differences and see the differences in strategy that need to go into it. So we're going to start here by looking at their standard batting categories. And they are definitely different. Like, let's say you've only ever played... um, you know, on Yahoo, or you've only ever played head to head category kind of leagues or roto leagues, this is going to sound very weird to you. And maybe some of you guys have literally never played in a points league. Maybe some of you only play in points leagues. I don't know. But regardless, ESPN scoring works like this you get one point for each thing. There's no, you know, tons of points for home runs or more points for anything else. Everything is one point. There are so six categories one point for total bases, you get one point for a walk. One point for a run scored, one point for an RBI, one point for a stolen base, and then striking out is negative one points. It's pretty unique, and it is a little bit bizarre. As somebody who grew up playing almost exclusively, pretty much exclusively Yahoo for my first several years playing fantasy, which I think a lot of people get into it from Yahoo, maybe, maybe ESPN as well, uh, but as someone who played exclusively on Yahoo for five or so years before joining an ESPN league, it was definitely very weird. Like, if you just look at the batter scoring on Yahoo, a single is 2.6 points, a double, 5.2, a triple, 7.8, a home run, 10.4 points. They score everything differently there. Now total bases, it does end up, you know, if you hit a home run, you get the four points for the total bases, plus you get the run, plus whatever RBIs. <clears throat> I think the standard home run, if you just hit a solo home run, you get six points out of that. If you just hit a home run over on Yahoo... You get the ten point four for the homer. You get one point nine for the run, and then one point nine for the RBI as well. Uh, so three point. I'm I'm so bad at math here. Uh, you get fourteen point two points for a home run, just a solo home run on Yahoo, where you get six on ESPN. It's a lot different right there. Uh, a stolen base, you get four point two points on Yahoo. A walk, you get two point six points. Hit by pitch, two point six points. I believe ESPN counts a hit by pitch in the I don't know if it even counts. I don't think it counts as a walk. I think it just counts as a total base for you there. So you get a little bit of an added bonus for getting hit by a pitch on Yahoo. It's very different, and it does affect the way that you will draft players to some extent. The guys who hit a lot of home runs are still going to be fairly valuable, and we'll talk about the scoring here in a second. But they're not going to be quite as valuable. Let's just talk about you know a Joey Gallo type or um, like, you know, Cody Bellinger, someone who's going to hit some home runs with a really low batting average. That Think of that kind of player. They're going to have more value over on Yahoo, I think, because they're going to be getting you more points there. Um, And the average really doesn't matter so much in in either case, but the fact that you are getting more points for their, not sole contribution, but their main contribution, which is the home runs, that's going to lead you to value them more over on Yahoo as as opposed to the way you would over on ESPN. It's, It's strange here. And I want to take a look at the top scores and also touch on something that we mentioned yesterday about Shohei Ohtani. So I talked about Shohei Ohtani yesterday, and we were talking about NFBC draft uh, overviews looking at the ADP. Ohtani, I think, is a little bit overvalued where he's going at pick 7. I think 7.5 is his ADP. Maybe it changed a touch overnight. But generally, pick 7, pick 8 is where Ohtani is going in drafts. I think that that's a little bit high considering that format, considering you can only use him as either a hitter or a pitcher on a given week. Here on ESPN, Otani's designations are DH and starting pitcher. He is one player, and he can play both positions every single day. He had 903 points over on ESPN this year. The next highest player was Aaron Judge at 607 points, and then it drops off quite a bit again to Jose Ramirez at 531. Judge had an incredible year, and that's why his points were even this high, obviously, when you have 130 RBIs. Uh, You know, he had 391 total bases, 133 runs. Uh, He also walked 111 times, which certainly didn't hurt. And the 16 steals, of course. That was an incredible year, and he was still 300 points shy of Otani. You look at more of a standard leading the league kind of year, you know, look at what Ramirez, Freeman, and Goldschmidt kind of did. 530, 525, and 490 points, respectively. Otani is pretty close to being the equivalent of two players on ESPN, and I know that there is still going to be risk wherever you draft him. Uh, you know, the injury risk doesn't matter if you're playing CBS, Yahoo, ESPN, whatever you're on. Uh, but the fact that the upside for him there is like two is literally two players. You have to take him first, despite the risk. There is and there is a ton of risk for sure. We talked about it on yesterday's pod. If you missed that one. Otani has twice as much of a chance of getting hurt as any other player because he plays two positions, obviously. Pitchers are going to be more likely to get injured. He swings very hard. There's, there's a lot of risks with, with Shohei Otani, but you have to take him first overall if you play ESPN. You just, you just can't pass him up. In one of my leagues last year, Garrett Cole went first overall. Shohei Otani went second overall. Garrett Cole ended up having, uh, let's see, 524 points this season. He was outscored by nearly 400 points by Shohei Ohtani, which is the equivalent of literally what Edwin Diaz did this season, or Martin Perez, Tony Gonsolin. That, that was the difference, adding in one of those players to your team. So it is, it is so not even close with Ohtani as the 1-0-1 that I don't think we even need to talk about it anymore. It's, it's, too, it's too elite, and that's the problem. Um, this particular platform, ESPN, I think it's a little bit unfair if you do get the first overall pick. You have such a huge advantage. They might need to think about changing that a little bit or implementing some kind of penalty if you draft Otani. You lose a pick in the third or fourth round or something like that. I know people used to do that. I heard stories back in the day um, about Shaquille O'Neal back in the 90s for fantasy basketball where you'd literally have to give up I think it was a fifth-round pick or something in in certain leagues if you drafted Shaquille O'Neal, because he was just so overpowered as a fantasy player that you were going to win your league. It's kind of like what we've seen uh, with Nikola Jokic the last couple of years in basketball. He's been so far and away the number one best player that if you drafted him, I forget what the numbers were last year. It was like, I think it was more than 50, or around 50% of fantasy uh, championship teams in the NBA had Jokic on them, and I'm not sure what the percentage would be for Otani and ESPN leagues. I'm not sure if that data is even available, but you have to think a huge percentage of people who had the first overall pick and took Otani ended up winning their league. So yes, that point is, is concrete. There is no argument. Otani has to be taken at number one. Now, we'll go down here. Uh, I mentioned the names a little bit, but we had Judge, Ramirez, Freeman, Goldschmidt, uh, Pete Alonzo, Mookie Betts, and Nolan Arenado. Those were the guys who were the leaderboard in terms of hitters. Now, if we take a look at pitchers, some of the scores we're seeing are a little bit higher. We had Sandy Alcantara at 578 points. He was the third highest scoring player this season behind Judge and behind Otani. And then after that, we have Justin Verlander at 567 and then it fell off a little bit in terms of the pitchers as well. It went down to about the 530 range. But those guys this year, and really every year with pitchers, the guys who pitch a lot of innings and get a lot of strikeouts, it's, it's really a simple formula. And it works pretty much everywhere, but specifically in this kind of format where that is mostly what you're judged upon. Also, the team you pitch for, which is also something that's going to benefit you, wherever whatever formula, whatever formula, whatever site you're playing on and whatever formula they use to calculate value, Um, The guys who, and and it sounds very basic, but the guys who pitch a lot of innings, strike out a lot of batters on good teams are going to be the top of the heap. So we had Alcantara after Otani, of course, and then Verlander, Burns, Garrett Cole, Alec Manoa, Dylan Cease, Zach Gallen, Carlos Rodon, and Hugh Darvish. All guys, like we said, big strikeout numbers, good teams for the most part. Those are the guys that you want to draft. Pitchers are going to be more valuable in points leagues because they accrue more points on a day-to-day basis. Just I'm just going to go through Corbin Burns. Uh, can you even go through the game log anymore here? Uh, they're not letting me go through the game log on the app anymore, but you're getting, I think they'll show me the average still. So he was averaging 16.2 points per start. Sandy Alcantara, 18.1. Uh, Justin Verlander, 20.3 points per start. We go to Aaron Judge. He was averaging 3.9 points per game. Jose Ramirez, 3.4. Freddie Freeman, 3.3. They're just not going to have that same kind of you know, per game value that you're going to get from pitchers. And obviously it weighs out a little bit differently, 33 games versus 150, 160, whatever it is you end up playing. But pitchers have to be taken a little bit higher in these formats. Specifically, really, I was about to say specifically ESPN, but specifically any points league. uh, You have to take pitchers a little bit higher up and specifically starting pitchers. Closers actually end up losing a little bit of value in a format like this. They just don't give you the same kind of points. And, you know, we look at ADP generally, and we'll look at it sometimes on one site, and we'll say, okay, Emmanuel Classe and Edwin Diaz are going around pick 30 in my Yahoo drafts for category leagues, and when I'm doing my points league draft, yeah, sure, I'll take him around 30, around 40. It's not the, it's not the case. Um, so this year, Emmanuel Classe had 425 points, Edwin Diaz, 404. They were the top two closers. And then Jordan Romano, 358, Ryan Helsley, 357. Still very good and still obviously worthy of a roster spot, but when you're comparing that to other pitchers who are going to be going in that same kind of range, you know, Martin Perez had more value than Edwin Diaz. Just ever so slightly, but he did. Logan Gilbert did as well. Tony Gonsolin, Logan Webb. These are guys where you wouldn't really expect that, but just because of the nature of the format, they are going to be much more valuable. It's all volume. It really comes down to volume, specifically with the way that they score pitchers, and I I don't even think I I said uh, the scoring here for pitchers. So it is one point per every inning pitched. You get negative two points for every earned run you allow. You get five points for a victory. You lose five points for a loss. Those ones are pretty easy. You win, you get five points, lose, you lose five points. A save is also five points. If you convert a save, it's five. A strikeout is one point and then allowing a hit or a walk, negative one points. It is definitely a strange system. As someone who's been playing ESPN for, I think, yeah, two years now, I've been playing for ESP, on ESPN for two years. It's a little bit weird, and I definitely don't prefer it over the way that Yahoo does it, just to com- uh, compare them real quick. Yahoo has eight points for a save and eight points for a win. I believe it used to be five, but they've changed that over the years. Three points for a strikeout one point for just a regular out. And then the negatives come from negative three for an earned run, negative one for a walk, negative, or excuse me, negative 1.3 for a walk, negative 1.3 for a hit, and negative 1.3 for a hit by a pitch. I know I just said a whole bunch of shit right after the other, and you probably might have to rewind it just to hear all that back again. It's good to just take a look at these, especially if you're going to be getting into your drafts and know exactly the way that the scoring works strikeouts are are king in points leagues but they're more so king on yahoo because you get the three points as opposed to the one you lose negative two for an earned run on espn but you lose negative three for an earned run on yahoo there are some differences they're not crazy crazy different in general it's still going to be the same guys at the top there's no real differences there in terms of your starting pitchers but you really have to push your relief pitchers down, and one thing that is kind of important here that I will touch on is those relief pitchers or starting pitchers who are eligible as relief pitchers in a points league format. That is going to be really, really valuable. And the top scoring relief pitchers this year, uh, I'll list them off for you here. Um, who we have? Number one was Nestor Cortez, and then we have Emmanuel Clase. Sure. And then Christian Javier, Spencer Strider, Martin Perez are the next three guys. And then Edwin Diaz, Kenley Jansen, and then you have Cal Quantrill. There are a lot of guys at the top of this list here. There are closers there as well. But if you can get a starter, a quality starter, who is going to be, and not even, they don't have to be great, but just a guy who's going to go out there and throw you 25, 30 all right starts. Pitching, I know ERA doesn't matter specifically, but you know giving you around a 3, 5 to a 4 ERA, it's all about the volume. And if you have somebody who can do that from a relief pitcher spot, giving you much more in terms of those innings and in terms of strikeouts and everything else, that is where the value is going to lie. A guy like Classe, Diaz, Romano, Hendricks, Hayter, they're still really valuable, but they don't have quite as much value here. So if you're thinking about taking them in the third round or the second round, because that's what people are doing in other leagues, it's, it's not really what you should be doing. I know a lot of people do play points leagues, but I think there is a larger percentage of people that play in your in either category, like a head-to-head category, or in a roto league. So, just something to keep in mind with closers, they're not going to be so much. Uh, they're not going to have so much value there. Let's talk a little bit. I'm going to bounce back and forth uh, back to batters here. Let's talk a little bit about stolen bases because stolen bases are also something that we really focus on for fantasy. They're not so big in this particular points league. On ESPN, they have a little bit more value, 4.2 points per steal. That's great. Over here, where it's just one point, it's no more valuable than a walk. So while it's still nice to get them, sure, if that's an extra little bonus you can get from players on your roster, then, then great. But you don't have to reach up the board for them like you would in a category league. You don't have to do that for any particular stat here in points leagues. You're just trying to get a balanced player, whether he's giving you the points from the home runs, the steals, the total bases, the lack of striking out, it doesn't really matter where the value's coming from. So somebody like John Birdie, who had 41 steals this year, he was a must-roster player for quite a while. Even in this kind of format, he would have been a guy that you would have had to add for a while. Even you're talking 10-team leagues, it, doesn't, it didn't matter. John Birdie was an add. He ended up with 190 points on the year. So when you're looking at the entirety of what he did, 121 total bases, he had 28 RBIs, he struck out 89 times, he wasn't that valuable. Number two on the stolen base leaderboard, Jorge Mateo, 215 points. Again, like a really, really great asset in a category league this year. Jorge Mateo was a really sneaky pickup. He picked his batting average up a little bit. He was hitting some home runs. It didn't have so much value for you here in a points league. Now, the first guy on the stolen base leaderboard who did have a lot of value was Cedric Mullins, 353 points for the year on him. And that was because he had a lot more total bases. He had a lot more RBIs. Uh, he walked more than those first two guys. So the steals, they're they're not really that important. You know, we're going to see, heading into drafts this year, John Birdie's going to go way too high. Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head what his ADP is, but whatever it is, it's too high. It's going to be Miles Straw all over again from last year, and that's something that people are going to chase in a category league. But in this kind of format, it makes no sense. You might as well chase guys who walk a lot as opposed to guys who steal a lot. And it's something where the general the average fantasy player still looks at steals as a huge hot commodity i think maybe if you've been only ever playing in points leagues and only ever playing in espn points leagues then you don't really give a shit about steals but i think for the most part we look at them as a community as a, you know group of people who play this game and we think you need to get stolen bases when in reality it doesn't really matter so much in this particular format for roto and head to head completely different story steals are very important you can't wait too long on steals or else you're going to be screwed you can stream them here and there but they're very hard to come by specifically later in drafts but guys who walk that's not really something that people care about so much if you're especially in this kind of format i think with espn in general and i, I again i don't mean to shit on the platform because i play on the platform i'm one of the people who uses it I don't think that you have as many serious players who are, who are using ESPN for fantasy. I think it is more so for your home leagues, for people who, and again, apologies here. I'm not trying to, to poo-poo anybody. You might play in an ESPN league where you have to pay $1,000 with your friends and it's a very serious league or you know whatever. It might be more than that. It might be $500 entry fee and you take it very seriously. But I think for the most part, just judging on what we see with roster percentages, roster moves, players who get added and dropped, these are more casual players on ESPN. If you enter a public ESPN league and you know what you're talking about, you can come away winning, winning those leagues pretty easily just by paying attention. And one of those things to do, I think is look at walk rates, look at guys who get on base quite a bit, who aren't really the sexiest players in, in any format, but specifically in this format, somebody who's not going to be jumping so high off your board. Yandy Diaz is a really good example. He had three hundred and fifty three hundred forty nine 349 points this season uh, on ESPN that's really good and that's exactly what Tommy Edmond gave you Tommy Edmond had 350 like the guys that Yandy Diaz outscored this year and a lot of it is because of that walk rate he outscored Jay Cronenworth um Adelise Garcia Randy Rosarena Nate Lau Ahmed Rosario JT Realmuto, Bobby Witt Jr. we had more points from him than Bobby Witt Jr. So you don't, you can't look at this platform. And again, I wouldn't take Yandy Diaz ahead of Bobby Wood Jr. But that just goes to show you what a good walk rate can do in this in this situation. It's know your format. Really, is is the main takeaway from this show? That I, I mean, from every specific show that I will do, looking at a particular format, whether it's NFBC Roto, whether it's head to head whether it's CBS points, whatever it is, know your rules is the, is the main important thing because those guys who are really chalky going to the first round in other drafts. We talked about Bobby Witt Jr. yesterday as the third overall pick by, by somebody. Someone took him at pick three. We saw him also go at pick four in that new gladiator format. It's It's not going to happen on this particular site. It shouldn't happen. And if people are doing that kind of foolishness, on, on ESPN, then you should take note of that and you can really, really take advantage. And I think specifically if you play in public leagues, and I think a lot of people do play in public leagues, you, you can really take advantage of the public just by little things like that. And I think walks are really, really important because no one cares about walks. Your standard fantasy league is 5x5 five five with average. OBP is a part of some leagues. I play in a couple with OBP, but most people like their plain old 5x5 five five roto and people don't really care about walk rate in those leagues. It's a very similar story when it comes to strikeouts, and they tend to go hand-in-hand. Hand. If you're striking out less, you tend to be walking more. Uh, there's usually a pretty strong correlation there. And if you look at some of these guys who weren't striking out much at all this year, they were pretty valuable in an ESPN Points League. Luis Ariz, Stephen Kwan, Jeff McNeil, Alejandro Kirk, Yandy Diaz. Those guys had really low strikeout rates and, for the most part, really good walk rates. McNeil's was just below 7%. Not the greatest, but... Arise 8.3%, Quan 9.7%, Kirk walked 11.6%, Diaz walked 14% of the time and only struck out 10.8%. Those guys have crazy value, and no one's really going to be that interested in them. Sure, Alejandro Kirk, he'll be a fairly popular name, especially at a weaker position, regardless of where you're playing. But guys like Andy Diaz, Jeff McNeil, they're not going to be flying off the board, and they can still have a lot, a lot of value for you. So just to recap here, Elite-level starting pitchers, specifically those massive strikeout guys, are going to be going very early in these formats, and they should be. That's not to say that your Trey Turners, Julio Rodriguez, Jose Ramirez shouldn't be going early. They're still going to be top of the first round. But if you take one of those guys with your, let's say you get the second or third pick, you take Jose Ramirez, you need to take at least one, preferably two pitchers in the next couple of rounds because those guys who eat up a ton of innings on good teams, big strikeout numbers, they're going to go very quickly, and they are the most valuable players in the format. So you either have to really you know, stack up at the top or try and speculate on some guys a little bit later down who you think can eat up a lot of innings, guys who can go at least 160 innings, some odd in that kind of range for you. You can't be taking too many risks with your pitchers because that's where the gravy comes from. That's where all the value really comes from in a points league. Obviously, if you had Aaron Judge this year in a points league, you did very well. But if you look at the top of the leaderboard for pitchers, it's all guys who pitched a lot of innings. You know, 166 for Otani, and then 228, 175, 202, 200, 196, 184, 184. Obviously, it's kind of hard to predict that heading into the year, but taking guys who are a little bit riskier, say Shane McClanahan, who I really, really like, but he is more of a per inning guy with the strikeouts as opposed to a huge volume guy most likely he got up to 166 innings i don't know how much farther he's really going to push up from there where you look at a guy who's i don't know garrett cole corbin burns uh guys where you can look at them and say they're they're going to throw 200 innings for me i think that that's you know a lot more likely than sandy Al or that not, not than sandy alcantara than shane mcclanahan so you have to take those particular, not risks, those particular investments uh, in certain places where you might not like them. If you play in a lot of different formats, you might say, I don't really want to take a pitcher here at the end of the first round. I don't want to take Garrett Cole 10th overall. I don't want to take Corbin Burns 8th overall. But in this kind of format, it really is not going to hurt you. Assuming that everybody's healthy, which is a big if for anybody in baseball, obviously Uh, we don't know what the injury landscape is going to look like next year. But take guys who project for close to 200 innings or more with big strikeouts and preferably pitching for a good team. It sounds very elementary, but it's something that leads you to win in this format. With regards to, and that that is the main point with pitchers, um, the relief pitcher thing also, if you can get starting pitchers, like this year Nestor Cortez was a darling for you. A starting pitcher who's going to throw a lot of innings, he threw 158. While still having that relief pitcher eligibility, Martin Perez threw almost 200 innings out of a relief pitcher spot for you this year. Cal Quantrill, 186. Even Jose Quintana was pretty good, 165. Ranger Suarez, Christian Javier, Drew Rasmussen. I'm not sure how these designations work specifically on ESPN. So when we are heading into next year again, make sure you know who is designated for what position. If there's a guy, I'm not sure, like Spencer Strider is a good example. If Spencer Strider still has relief pitcher eligibility next year, He's going to be going in the top 15 picks, top at worst, like top 20. And he should because of that eligibility and because of what he's going to do for you. He's a guy where maybe the innings won't be there, but that eligibility with the strikeouts on a great team, uh, there's a lot of stuff to like heading into next year, especially if he keeps that RP designation. Now going over to the batter side, what we said was steals are not that valuable here where we tend to really push steals and guys who steal up our boards. They're not going to be so, so valuable here. As much as they're not going to hurt you, of course, there's still a point. They just don't have that same, you know, they're no more important than a walk or a total base or putting the ball in play because the strikeouts are a negative one. Walks, I think, are, and walk, walk the strikeout rate is probably the most important thing here. Uh, when you're looking at not so much in your first couple of rounds, you're still going to be taking the same hitters in the first couple of rounds. Your Mookie's, your Aaron Judge's, your Vladies. But when you start getting to those deeper picks, when you start getting to guys who you look at two guys, you think, oh, I don't know if I really love either of these particular players." Start looking at strikeout to walk rate. In those middle rounds, it'll really save you in this particular format. Those guys who walk nearly as much as they strike out or walk more than they strike out, which is very rare, I know. But if you can get yourself an Alejandro Kirk and Andy Diaz and Steven Kwan, Juan Soto obviously is very valuable in this kind of format. These guys are going to be more valuable than they would uh, in your standard 5x5 five five league or in your head-to-head category league. Here, that for me is something that you need to be looking at at least as much as you look at home runs and everything else. Because RBIs and total bases, those are going to fluctuate a lot more than walk-and-strikeout rate are going to on a year-to-year basis. So go for those guys who get on base Go for the guys who still looking for well-rounded fantasy games from everybody, guys who get on base, they score runs. Home runs, obviously they're not going to hurt, but they're only giving you six points, where if you walk and you score a run still, you're still getting a few, like, what is it, two, three points. It's not a massive difference. It's a difference of a couple of points where if you're talking about Yahoo, there's an eight-point difference between a solo home run on Yahoo and ESPN, and then you put runners on base there you can really rack up points if you hit a grand slam on the Yahoo points league where, you know, it, it doesn't feel as nice. If you do it over on ESPN, you're getting the four RBIs, you're getting the four total bases, the run, get, what is it? Nine points for a home for a grand slam, 10 points for a grand slam. It's kind of boring. That, that particular part is kind of boring. And it, you look at it, you're like, Oh my God, you know, two grand slams is 20 points on ES on Yahoo. One solo home run is 14 points. So there's definitely not so much of a need to be pushing up the sluggers if you're drafting over on ESPN. I, I don't want to, again, shit on what they do, but I wouldn't really recommend playing on, on the site. I would much rather play on Yahoo. I, I think they're, they're more user-friendly, and I like the format. I'm also more familiar with it. If you've been playing on ESPN your whole life, you probably are more familiar with it, more comfortable with it. But I think that Yahoo is more user-friendly. I think the scoring makes more sense. And in general, I would rather have my leagues hosted on there. They also focus a little bit more on baseball than ESPN does. ESPN's kind of, like a lot of places in the fantasy industry, kind of moved away from baseball. They canceled their, their fantasy uh, baseball podcast, I think, at the beginning or just before this season started, the fantasy-focused baseball pod. A lot of companies kind of zone out with baseball. They focus more on football because that's where the money is. Understandable. Yahoo also does it. Everybody kind of does it. But I think you're getting a better product and you're getting a better service from the Yahoo people. Or, you know, specifically, not, not even just Yahoo, but I think... ESPN, I'm just kind of soured on over the years. Over, I don't even know. I haven't been playing on it for that long. I just don't really enjoy playing on it so much. There are these things we talked about today with strategy that are important for the site, but I don't think that they necessarily should be important for your fantasy teams. You know, you have to look at walk rate and stuff like that because, like we said, Yandy Diaz had more points than Bobby Witt Jr. Should that really be how your fantasy works in that regard? It's not really the most fun thing to pour over strikeout-to-walk rate for a lot of people. You want to be getting guys, especially in a points league. points league, you're supposed to simplify things, not complicate things. And I know it does simplify things to a, to an extent. But you want to just draft the guys when you're playing fantasy. A lot of people do who are going to hit you home runs. They're going to steal your bases. They're going to you know, have a high batting average. And maybe that's just my own projections of what I think fantasy should be. But the ESPN platform, when, I, when I'm playing it and setting my lineups, it doesn't feel as enjoyable as when even, you know, doing that NFBC draft, doing all the hundreds of Yahoo drafts I've done over the years and mock drafts even. I think that I prefer the format over ESPN. So, again, I've said it a lot now, in case there's anybody from ESPN listening, which I, I very much doubt. I don't mean to shit on your site or your platform. You guys do great work. But in terms of the fantasy baseball side... I think it's leaving something to be desired and I would probably recommend if you play on ESPN quite a bit, think about switching over to Yahoo. It's obviously going to be a huge adjustment with the way the points work, but I think it is more enjoyable. Uh, You get rewarded for things like triples a lot more on Yahoo and triples are fun. You want to see the guy hit a triple, you get 7.8 points out of a triple on Yahoo where you'd get three points out of a triple on ESPN. It's little things like that where you look at the stats sheet and it takes away from your enjoyment a touch But that's going to wrap it up for us today, guys. We are moving along still here, mostly with hitters. I know today we're looking at pitchers as well. Uh, We're still kind of doing our last touches on hitter reviews this week. We've gone through all the major positions. We went through ADP stuff yesterday on uh, the NFBC site. And I think I'm going to hop into a couple of best balls over the next couple of days over on Fantrax. And we're going to be talking about another platform, another different way to play, different scoring and everything else. So we'll hop into that. Next week, we will get into pitchers more. I know I've mentioned it a bunch now, but Michael Simeone is going to be joining us next Tuesday, next Wednesday. Not sure exactly when that show will go out, but we'll be looking at the elite tier of starting pitchers with him. If you have any questions you want us to talk about on the show in particular, reach out to me at JoeOrico99 on Twitter, at EthosFantasyBB as well for all the different links to podcasts and articles. Please do go check out Stephen Bagel's article that he wrote Um, I believe it went out two, three days ago. There's not so much posting going on on Ethos Fantasy BB right now. You should be able to find it if you go to the site. It was the first piece of a six-part series he's doing, going through every single division, projecting opening day rosters, going through every single player, talking about literally down to the last man in the bullpen with a huge write-up for every team. He put a ton of effort into it, and you guys should really go and check it out and go follow Steven on Twitter. Of course, the link is in the article link as well, at Pod. He did a great job. He's going to continue to do a great job, and we have a ton of writers that we've brought on here at Sports Ethos who are going to all do a great job this year producing content on the fantasy side and maybe just some regular baseball content as well, articles about the game and standings and playoff races and awards and everything else. It won't just be fantasy. It'll be an overall baseball product. And that's why I've been yelling at you guys and probably driving you guys crazy for a while about going ahead and following Ethos Fantasy BB, because that's where all of the new stuff will be posted from. We have another podcast that will be launching here. I'm not sure of an exact date, but we have a high stakes NFBC focus solely NFBC focus pod that will be starting here. I'm going to say by the new year at the latest, we'll have it going by the new year. To go along with that, there'll be a ton of different articles preseason heading into the year. We'll do mock drafts. We will do everything that you can possibly imagine here on the baseball side. So please do go give us a follow there at Ethos Fantasy BB. Subscribe to the podcast. That is what we do here every single day. We talk baseball. If you guys want to come and join us here, be along for the ride or just show some support, hit the subscribe button, hit the five-star review. And if you could take a couple seconds, leave some kind words in the comment section that would also go a long way into getting the show out there and be seen a little bit more than it currently is. Obviously a bit of a downtime for baseball right now, but it'll start ramping up again in the next month or so. And you guys can really help with that by sharing links out by liking posts, by subscribing and doing all that great stuff. So enough rambling for me. That is quite enough rambling. Jesus guys, we will see you again tomorrow, but until then take care and cheers.